who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Nintendo! Offices in San Francisco. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of August 1st, 2014. I am your host, Jose Otero. I'm joined by Per Schneider. Welcome. By Brian Altano. Welcome. And we have a great show planned for you today, hopefully. First quick note for folks, July was a really good month for NBC as far as listeners, and we actually grew. So thank you for your continued support of our podcast. We are constantly trying some new experiments. We did the Star Fox episode last mm-hmm. week. You missed a really cool show and tell episode, Brian. That's where the numbers really went dope. up. I wasn't here. Yeah, you weren't here. So yeah. it's been going up. No, we need Brian. Brian is totally part of the package. We cannot lose him. You hear we me? We did last week. All right. Yeah, but it wasn't by choice. But you're coming back with some really cool stories from Comic-Con that I you're going to share later yeah. on the show. Yeah. Uh, so let's begin then with some news. <laughs> I can't. You, some news. That's how we say it. Uh, <laughs> so the NES Remix retail package is coming to the West. Yes. This got announced during San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, we all, in the office, I imported the Japanese version because I have a Japanese Wii U. And you guys really liked it because the packaging was really cool, full of awesome. little, like, you know, homages to that 80s era yep. Famicom love. I wonder what the North American retail package will look like just because I love the NES, but I almost worry it doesn't it doesn't really have that kind of charm that I feel the Famicom stuff does. Am I mm. am I wrong in that assumption? Are you kidding me? I mean if you just slap the picture of a of a old gray cartridge on the cover, you'd get my entire generation. That's all they excited. need then for you? Because I feel like the gray's kinda of flat. I, I don't know, I like the the color and the design on the other one. I, I think said. you take the gray cartridge, you lay it on some uh, you know, some 
plush carpet and you put some fake bag of snacks on the ground. Make it look like the, uh, somebody's rug in the 80s uh-huh. while they're playing NES games. Put a couple of sprites in the corner and then you put a cool logo on the front. Okay. And again, I don't do package design for Nintendo. No, though. but you do really good graphics. Thanks. So I've seen yeah. your Photoshop stuff. It's yeah, really I, good. I think something like that could, Every time could you work. do something special, of course, you run the risk that the audience is confused, right? Uh-huh. Like you could make it like a cardboard cartridge like cover yeah. or something. That's right. And then people shopping for their kids will go like, oh, that's not for that system. Yeah. He doesn't have that one, right? Like, So you got to be careful unless you really do like this limited special edition run that you sell online mm-hmm. um, first. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this before where people like, remember that crazy packaging for for CDs that was like super long? When and, CDs like, first uh, came out. Yeah, yeah. remember that. Look, like later when you have that packaging, people are like, oh yeah, no, I'm not looking for movies, <laughs> right? Like they look, they look around. So yeah. yeah. I would love it, though, if it actually looked like NES cartridge package. I, I, yeah. I think uh, NES Remix is one of those titles that has tremendous um, sort of crossover capabilities with uh, lapsed gamers and sort of retro gamers that aren't really there with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the Wii did a really good job of capitalizing on that because Nintendo, from the jump, was like, hey, you can play Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda on this thing. The ones yeah. you played when you were a kid. And they put them in the menus. They yeah. put them in like the virtual console shop yeah. While you're downloading something, you'd see like Mario run by and yeah. things like that. Which is helpful for people who already have the console and they're connected online and stuff like that. But if like, you know, I'm in a store and I I don't work at IGN in the situation. I haven't been playing video games my whole life. I stopped in 1990. Okay. Um, and I like alternate 80s. Alternate 80s. Brian future. Altano yeah, okay. is walking around. I've got three kids. Yep. I'm divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Toys R Us buying My Little Ponies for my second daughter. And I'm like, why? Why you am I here? And I see this thing in the corner and I just see Mario and Zelda of the 8-bit characters and I'm like that looks awesome I want to play with those guys again I flip the box over and it's like play with remix versions of all the classic games I'm like yes and then I I check out a Wii U and I buy it okay Okay, that's that's what you need it's important well I think you guys are right and capturing that 80s sort of charm is important I just I kind of worry a little bit because when I think of the last time they tried to do that on Game Boy Advance it didn't feel as special remember when they had like the NES collection that they put out on that like I'm talking about the Metroid box they put on the classic NES series yeah it I don't know if it worked as well, and I don't know what felt off about it, but I'm really thought, curious to see. So it. I thought that was really cool because uh, the games came on gray cartridges again, yeah, which was kind of funny to see. Or, and in Japan, the disc system ones were yellow, just yeah. like the yellow disc yeah, that they it was, got. Yeah, it was yeah. very clever. Super uh, the box art was great. I think <clears> what screwed that, actually, was the pricing. Was uh, At the time, I think you could... It was interesting because at the time, Animal Crossing was out, and you could play most of those games for free in Animal Crossing. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they had launched a virtual console yet. No, they hadn't. They this hadn't, was GBA. Right? Yeah, this is way so, before that. Uh, a year or two later, you could buy them all for, what, $5 each on the Wii, but these were $20 each. If you wanted to play Zelda or Super Mario mm-hmm. or some games like yeah. Pac-Man for NES is not worth $20 under any yeah. parameters. Even in 2003 so, or four when this happened. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a cool sort of nostalgia, heartstring-pulling uh, technique to launch that whole series before. I believe it was... What, the 25th anniversary or something like that for those games or for, for the or NES. just the Famicom something yeah. like that yeah. so it was it was cool it was you know it was interesting to see that stuff happen again um, I think the packaging was interesting but I think the pricing was what was wrong, wrong on that all right well for, oh no you want to close I still, that out I feel like there has never been a great retro special edition packaging like you know we've seen really cool stuff on you know for special Blu-ray or DVD releases where you know they create like for Aliens or any of these movies they create like sculptures and things yeah. and mm-hmm. awesome like harmonica kind of boxes and everything yeah. like classic games are just ready for this kind of stuff you know like yeah. with arcade history and
and maybe like collectibles that look like something from the 80s. It would be so cool. So I think I the one that's close, though, and it's not really retro, but it kind of is just because it's over 10 years old, is the Master Chief collection. That is sort of a criteria, in a way, a criteria collection of collect, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't have a lot of extra features, I feel, in terms of like maybe some Halo history, but maybe they'll make up for that. I thought the, the Super, just the Super Mario All-Stars re-release on the Wii was kind of interesting. Do you remember? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, but you know, they were almost there. They right? were almost there. Yeah, like, the packaging was right, but yeah. what was in the package wasn't really that special. Yep. Um, and I think that was the problem. What was it? Was a soundtrack, and then it was the a game. soundtrack, a small art book, and uh, a copy of what essentially they could have just sold over Virtual Console, which was the Super Mario Brother. What was the the remake collection they put out? I'm, it was I'm Super Mario right All Stars. All Stars. Thank you. Not the um, version that had Mario World. And, yeah, it. and it yeah. wasn't even that. Um, and so it was a little strange. I, I I just kind of wish they had approached it with a little more reverence, but they, the way they know. handled the book in that was like you're almost there. Like there were really there were sketches of the old Mario games, anecdotes from some of the creators, and quotes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was like a pamphlet that you yeah. would get that was in the a hotel problem. lobby. Yeah. You know, like Not it was. That- yeah. I, I just think it's ready for it. Like there yeah. is there is now an audience that loves classic games and. And the art around them too. Like there are things that could be produced that you could hang on the wall or yeah. display on your on your shelf. Yeah. We are um, in this sort of ready. classic game renaissance right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and not, I don't even mean that just in people are playing the old games again, but people are playing games that look like the old games again. Like you know, I think a couple of, yeah exactly a couple of years ago something like Shovel Knight would have been maybe a kind of a tough sell because mm-hmm. we were moving <clears> towards this whole everything has to be AAA market, and I think there's room for everything now. Yep. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Okay. okay. All right, so that's going to be at retailers later this year. Do we have a price? Uh, no. Uh, so next story is that Nintendo financials were revealed, uh, and they revealed uh, sales figures for Mario Kart 8 and Wii U sales figures as a whole. So I'll try and run this down, then I'm going to hand it over to you, Paris, so you can just have a look at it too, or have the numbers in front of you. Uh, so this is for April to the end of June 2014, Nintendo sold 510,000 Wii U consoles and 820. Uh, thousand 3DS handhelds, and that's in three months. Now, keep in mind that Nintendo forecasted for this fiscal year. Now, reminder for folks, if you don't really follow the business talk, fiscal year does not end in December. The fiscal year ends in, is it April? I believe it's April, or it ends in March. It starts again in April. Depends on the company. This is a Japanese company. Now, uh, that said, the forecast for Wii U's for the fiscal year uh, will be 3.6 million, according to Nintendo. And for 3DS, they're expecting to sell 12 million, which uh, if you look at that number, they're not off to a great start, at least on the 3DS front, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Regardless, um, so for Mario Kart 8, they sold 2.82 million copies globally. That That's is great. like a 40-something percent attach rate. I think that's it's like 42 percent, which is super high. I mean, that's really great for them. So, I'm, how many? I'm more curious as to like how many new consoles. Because I know everyone who had a Wii U were like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. That's the best game on the console mm-hmm. right now. That's but I right. want to know how many new people were the ones that were just sort of like, oh, I'm on the fence about the Wii U, but that's what's going to push me I over. think that number's out there, but it's still not super high. Yeah. But uh, then again, I mean, a, a game selling that well in roughly a month is – like, that's a success for them. Yeah. It's just unfortunate because they still posted another loss yeah. uh, for the quarter. Yeah, if we look back at the console sales, I mean, the Wii U did not beat the PlayStation 4, right, mm. in, in sales in that month even with Mario Kart behind it yeah um, which is you know it's 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 a pity because it's such a big game coming out and and it's not like PlayStation 4 had a huge game coming out but it obviously is a newer machine with a little bit more momentum sure. behind it um, but momentum, it is an, momentum is the key but it is, is an upwards movement right yeah. like the the 
more people picked up a Wii U, and you know, some people say it's a marathon and not a sprint. It's going to, if the past is any indicator, the Nintendo titles have a long tail. Yeah, and Mario Kart will be a top seller, hopefully, you know, every month now, and convince more and more people to pick up the machine because it is such a great game. Yeah, I'm right? I'm curious how it's going to fare against, and I, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this so much on the show before, but it it sort of feels like it's uh, the Wii U is 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 the kind of their Titanfall, right? Where it wasn't the thing that took down PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. but it is the thing that gave them a good spike that month. Now, I mean Mario Kart. Mario you meant Kart, Mario, yeah. Kart. Mario yeah, Kart. Yeah, I was is, like, wait, what? Yeah, Mar- no, Mario Kart is you know is there is Nintendo's Titanfall. Now, where Titanfall I think kind of fell off, I think Mario Kart has potential to kind of stay around longer. I feel like the word of mouth for Mario Kart has just stayed phenomenal. And- well, it has. I feel um, well, in, specifically in Titanfall's case, and this is speaking from experience and talking to some friends who who both play this game like competitively or just like are, are really into it the community there were a lot of things still missing from the initial package something like as simple as private lobbies took a while to show up new game types weren't exactly rolled out as quickly it shipped with sort of a core set and people yeah. were hoping for more and at least to my knowledge from the people i've talked to that didn't really show up now i do feel though that mario kart might be in the same boat because it did ship with a great number of tracks right 32 30 racers really cool stuff but the dlc thing still has not shown up now I firmly it's a believe though. I, it's a guarantee. Sold, yeah. it's a guarantee. It's happening, but it, are they waiting for Amiibo to do it? Is Amiibo going to be the way that you're going to be able to access downloadable tracks or add downloadable tracks to Mario Kart? It seems to make the most sense because if they roll it out digitally, I, I just don't. I mean, that's what I was expecting them to do before Amiibo, but months keep passing and it I mean, hasn't happened but yet. But that, that would put us into what, like December? Uh, well, yeah, Amiibo doesn't have a launch, but it's holiday. Yeah. All bets are, and I've said this before, probably November 21st. That's the last Friday yeah, like before Black, Black, Friday. Black Friday. It's also an important date, excuse me, in Nintendo history. I think November 21st is also the same day they sold the Super Famicom. Like, for, it came mm-hmm. out for the first time. There were a bunch of historical releases uh, that were big for Nintendo in November, and I think they fall on that day. Yeah, I think, I think it's sort of on them to keep that conversation going around Mario Kart between now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, November is... A half a year away from when the, that game launched, so that's kind of a you know, it's a long tail. It's a long tail. Yeah. So you need you need kind of something in between. I don't know if the Mercedes car is going to be enough. Whether or not we get that, here, <laughs> you know, I, like, think I think you need a little more than that. Okay, no, I'm sure it'll be more too. I yeah. mean, it just feels like that game is ready. Um, you know, people who are playing that game are having so much fun. You know, you go online, you it's so easy to just get addicted and keep on playing. That A-track pack is just such a no-brainer. Yeah. And then you see somebody else was racing on that track, and it tells you, oh, you don't have that track, you can't race, right? Like, and I, it's such a great platform to market DLC yeah. once everybody's really invested in the online. Sure. And Nintendo's, I mean, you see this, Nintendo's confident that they will turn a profit by the, uh, by the they end are. of the year, yeah. 40 bi- a billion yen, right? Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. And... Um, you know, they, they posted a loss so far of nine, 9.47 There was a, a time during the Wii, and you kind of hinted at it, there was a time during the, the Wii era where you would just see the NPD, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the sales charts would come in every month, mm-hmm. and there would just be like two or three of the same games from Nintendo would be like, yeah. Wii Play, oh my God. New Super Mario yes. Brothers, uh, I guess Wii Sports in Japan. They would anchor themselves in yeah. the top ten of the NPD and never come and out. And never move, right? Yeah. It was, it Mario was Kart like, was one of them you know, as well. it, You would see, it would be like Call of Duty. New Super Mario New Brothers. Super Mario. That's how you sell 34 million yeah. like units, which yeah. is what Mario Kart did last time around. You just always um, there. That's exactly. I mean, they obviously would love to engineer that, but it doesn't work unless the console is the the success too, right? Sure. I mean, the Wii was 
was a must-have item that also, you know, it was pretty cheap compared to the other sure. platforms in the market that people kept on buying. And so, of course, the first game they get is the one they know and the one they love. We Play, by the way, was a brilliant trick of Nintendo's, right? It, it was, was a remote. That's yeah. what it was. Nobody wanted that game, but what an easy sell for anyone standing behind the counter to say, like, oh, you shouldn't just buy the remote, you should buy this game. And boom, that gets tracked as software yeah. and is at the top of the, the charts every month. Yeah, right? very smart. Brilliant, brilliant sure. idea. Now, you know, what you're seeing now with Amiibo is an equally kind of profitable plan. It does not cost a lot to manufacture these figures, right? Making a video game costs a lot of money, but making little toys, even if they have a little bit of technology in them, I it's didn't, pretty I didn't cheap. think of that, because that's an interesting way it's to sort really of like... profitable, yeah. To sort of Trojan horse into the MPD is if you ship some sort of mm -hmm. software with Amiibo, mm -hmm. then you have, the top, you have one of the top-selling games that month. Yeah, no, they'll be bundled. Yeah, but there is... And they're very expensive, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you will be the top seller and top grossing, for sure, if you have an $80 package yeah. like Skyland. Where, am I, where am I going to put yeah, all but, these uh, But not to, oh God, I, I'm, st I'm <laughs> planning now. I'm trying to figure out a, pl a space in my house. I, I just pre-ordered the new Metroid statue from First Oh, you did? Oh, I you did. You oh, I couldn't do it. I knew you would. I, the second I saw that story, I'm a hater right now. I was looking at him like, so uh, it's really cool yeah. looking. Just to bring us back around. So one thing I do want to point out though is that Mario Kart 8 is their biggest title this year. It yeah. is bigger than Smash Brothers. It has bigger appeal, yep. at least as far as who can play it and who will feel comfortable playing it. Um, the forecast is 3.6 million we use by the end of fiscal year. That seems doable when your first quarter is half a million. I, th I still think it's possible. It, we we said back when they announced that they're lowballing us. It's probably going to be a lot higher, but at least it seems like they're on pace for that. Under promise, over deliver. 3DS, though, I'm worried about. Uh -huh. When 3DS sells under a million in its first quarter, there isn't a whole lot of software left this year. Granted, I know someone on the end of this on the on the headphones is saying, "Well, wait a minute. There's a Pokemon game coming yep, out this yep, fall. Yep, yep. There's a Smash Brothers game coming out this fall. I think that's fine. And probably 3DS and even 2DS will be cheaper than ever." this fall so if you're someone who listens to this podcast who hasn't dipped maybe that's something you want to wait for but i i am a little concerned will they hit 12 million for the 3ds i, I just i don't know like it's, they've it's lost just, a lot of ground to that smartphone just market. on paper it's been a it's been a different year even than last year i mean even if even if you take the smartphone stuff out of the out of the equation sure. i mean we had zelda animal crossing and fire emblem last year right and pokemon mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i mean what's this year just off the top of your head, what well, have you played? Pokemon, this? Well, Pokemon. Well, like I mean, it's I mean, been out so far. Oh, that's been out so it's far. No, light. this has been a yeah. light year. Yeah. And, so. and I think that's the obviously you see the result of that. They, also, the marketing is not strong, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't a unique ad campaign out there that made the 3DS seem like the cool choice of the yeah. device that you need to have. And you, Nintendo needs to market these devices because phones just are marketing themselves. Not, yeah. not to say that Apple doesn't spend a ton and Samsung on the phones and everything, but you need to market why you need a gaming-only device in a much different way. It needs to be a cool device that, that shows you games that you can't get anywhere else. And there just wasn't anything so far mm -hmm. this year, right? Yeah. It was really light. Pokemon is still a monster. And it Smash is. Smash Brothers, for the <clears throat> first time as a handheld game, is going to turn some heads as well. And so once that message gets out there, I think it's going to pick up. Again. I really think they need to start pushing on the lower and smaller, more bite-sized downloadable games. And they need to bundle the system with a gift card to the eShop that says, this is the console. It's 
$150 and it comes with 50 or $25 worth of credit. These are the games you can buy with that credit the second you get it. So you can just say, all-inclusively, here is a box I am handing to a kid and he will shut up. So the smaller games are happening. Yeah. Shovel Knight, software like, um, what was Durameshi Sports at? Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Steel Diver being sort of free-to-play demos. Like I think they're happening. There just isn't a huge volume, just like their console and, uh, and just retail catalog in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know if upping the, the downloadable angle would really help a lot only because I feel like those games don't get marketed either like those get marketed by word of mouth you don't you don't really hear well, you don't see it, an mean, advertisement you rarely see an advertisement for a handheld portable game from like an could, iOS market you could if you could be really smart about how you market the 3DS itself if the package says includes 25 free games that yeah. is you know, that's to better. a parent or anyone walking by that's yep. like, whoa, hold a second. I don't actually have to buy all those cartridges. I get 25 right. yeah, free yeah, games. Yeah. And it could be, you know, virtual console and kind of smaller or sure. older games that you include in a bundle like that. I mean, the, the, I DS, the DS Lite was their first handheld to connect to a shop, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what that, that shipped with? $10 worth of credit. Right off the bat, you could mm. you got the DS Lite, you turned it on, that. you connected to the internet, and you downloaded WarioWare Snapped. You were immediately disappointed, and then you downloaded something else. <laughs> um, you really didn't like WarioWare Snapped. We should have a WarioWare. I don't think Wear. anybody did. I don't think anyone did. All right. I Not mean, fair. that didn't even count, right? It was a weird one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was. I mean, it was just like a, a toy they threw in A little in gimmicky. All right. Um, so I, I really think that there's room for that. You you're com- If you're competing with the... With smartphones, mm-hmm. um, then it's it's really just making the awareness there that what you have on your shop is quality-wise a lot better than what you can find on a smartphone. Yeah. I know some parents just hand somebody a blinking phone and they go, "Here, just you know, play what you want to play." But to to say to somebody like, you know, there's a 35-hour rich, robust game here. You know, like put games like Ocarina of Time on the eShop for 20 bucks. Put Fire Emblem on there for 20 bucks. So stop the practice of. It is a price that when it came out, that's the price that stays for months and months and yeah, months and years because yeah. that is a Nintendo practice. Yeah, drop yeah. the barrier. Star Fox more 3D, sales. Star Fox 64 3D is still $40. And that's crazy, oh. right? Or $35. That's crazy because that, that's not an impulse purchase to me. I can't make an impulse purchase on a system like that. I will buy a $10 game on iOS or a $5 game or a $1 game I don't even think about, you know? Most uh, people don't. Yeah, I don't even care. Here's just a throwing dollar. the money no out. One cares. Yeah. Like dollar bill. Pair yeah, would hate you. Six dollars <laughs> on the floor. Um, but for me to go, you know, do I want a digital copy of Star Fox sixty four 3ds? It's forty dollars. Yeah. I'm like, that's you know, that's, yeah. I got to think about. No, that. the times are changing, and I think it's especially difficult for handheld game machines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's still in the console market. There's still this expectation of the sixty dollar disc and package and stuff, right? Yeah. Whereas with handheld games, now all you're hearing is, you know iPhone and, yep. and, and cheaper games and everything. So and I don't, they have to work doubly hard to make sure that consumers understand these are different from the 99 cent games. And what well, makes them sometimes valuable? They're not, right. Right? Sometimes, sometimes they're, they're not. not. They're not. You know, like yeah. Yoshi, Yoshi's oh. Touch and Go was not. You, you know, that's a dollar that story, store yeah. game. But I mean, I don't think they should devalue their games to the point of being like, oh, Star Fox is a dollar ninety nine. I will do whatever we can to get some money. Yeah. But. Like, meet us halfway, you know? Mm-hmm. Drop your price digitally. It doesn't hurt anybody to say, you know, Star Fox 64 is 20 bucks. The only way you can play is... Yeah, but, but if they do it digital, retail is the problem. They need retailers still on board, right? If you undercut retail, is, has that successfully happened in the gaming industry yet? Where no. the digital version is cheaper than the one in brick-and-mortar stores? Yeah, sure. PlayStation well, Plus, Steam, Xbox Live Gold. Like, they're giving out games for free it, there that are still... PC's different. It worked for the PC market, and you saw PC games disappearing from store shelves pretty early on, too. Yeah. Um, Nintendo, Nintendo had a, a digital sale on Ocarina of Time a couple weeks ago, and I, I bought it because I was just like... I'm, how much? You know, 
I think it was like $32 or $32. Yeah. Not a big sale, obviously. That game usually goes for $40. But you don't see them doing that on retail. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't put out their... Do you remember, like, their classic selects line or their, like, mm-hmm. player's choice and all that stuff? You just... Put, or just greatest it. hits in general, greatest where people hits, use yeah. that as an excuse to drop ten bucks or I mean, fifteen dollars. Back in the day, you could walk into a store, you could buy a PS2 for a hundred bucks, and you could buy five games for fifty dollars, and mm-hmm. you'd be set. You'd be set for a long time, and you can't do that on Nintendo platforms. Like, why is that such a secret? Like, it seems like a no-brainer to me to print an extra line, just put a strip of yellow or some some nicer color because I hated the yellow <laughs> on the GameCube, <laughs> uh, and just write you know player's choice, sell the game for twenty bucks. You, I mean, here, here's how the business works, right? They need to calculate. They, they calculate it out. They, they know exactly what they're doing. They're looking at the price. They're saying, if I sell this for 50 bucks, I need this many customers to buy it. If I sell it for 40 bucks, I need mm-hmm. this many more people to buy it. Therefore, does this work out? And they can actually test that kind of stuff. They can test market, right? And if the $40 version makes them way less money because not enough more people buy it, then they stick with the, the higher price and the, the lower sell-through. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes, you know, like I I think the retail market is going to change significantly, right? Yeah. Yep. We have GameStop now. In the future, GameStop is going to be TradeStop. There's no question about it. It's mm-hmm. where you take your old phones and trade them in for money. It's going to happen eventually, right? It'll be all games. Stop. Games, it'll be stopped. <laughs> all games will be uh will will be downloaded digitally in the future. And so, we're not there yet, though. Yeah. We're not. And. You know, you have to build up really smart marketing platforms to get people to actually sign in and subscribe to your platforms. And Sony's on the front lines right now. They right? are. Yeah. They created a value proposition where they can turn around and go like, hey, EA, that new program you announced, we don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, we really don't need it because we got this awesome program yeah. already and, like, yours would just distract from it. Like, mm-hmm. telling, you know, one of the biggest publishers in the history of gaming that, it's pretty ball. It's competitive, too. Yeah. Xbox Live, games with gold, right? But they were like, they were like, oh, well, PlayStation Plus is doing mm-hmm. two games or one game a month. We'll do two. Yeah. And Sony, a day later, was like, oh, yeah, we can do two. So the, the kind of the retail wars of pricing things are going to be fought, fought online. And, and Nintendo has not yet built up that kind of retail yeah. ex- online experience that you want, right? Yeah. I think it's them hunting out uh, indies, too, that are, uh, yep. you know, that are. If you look at a game like Gunman, Gunman Clive, remember that game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool, very artsy action platformer, $2, sold best on 3DS. It was on iOS, it was on PC, blah, 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 blah. Sold best on 3DS. Why? Because people want to go on their 3DS and spend $2 and play a game like that. Yep. It's It works perfectly with those controls. And that's great. Like We heard, like, oh, it's kind of like Mega Man and it's got some platforming stuff. And I was like, sure, I'm 100% in. I want to play that. More stuff like that aimed at the core Nintendo gamer, aimed at people who want to play games like that with buttons because... None of us want those to go away. <laughs> but that that point that almost points to me at a completely different problem that they're happening, which is sort of cultivating and getting really good indie titles and really good indie games. I mean, I f- a victory like Shovel Knight was a huge one for us because we saw it. It hit every single note it needed to to be sort of a retro classic reimagining of what we remember that was so great about those games. Yeah. But you don't see that many really strong independent games that are downloadable on Nintendo platforms. And this has been a problem since DSi. It got better since then, because back then it was Shovelware City. Oh, it, was yeah, it was really it bad. Was, it was messy. You had occasional really strong developers like Re- Renegade Kid or something yep. who like knew how to make a, re- a really good game for the most part, or, or even Nicalis or, uh, or um, there's a couple of exceptions. But a majority of that stuff was stuff you'd never heard of. And I feel like that's still happening on Wii U. I just got through playing Wooden Sensei yeah. for uh, Wii U. <clears throat> it is not... 
good. Like it is. I was playing it's it too. It's not awful. Yeah. But it's not memorable. It doesn't feel special. And I feel like with independent developers, there is a very hit or miss situation where either yeah. you get a hit on your hands or you don't. And uh, I feel in Nintendo's case, you don't see as many honestly hits come out of there. I, I honestly think that a reason we are getting that we did get the platformers and act, action platformer games we got on the Wii U and the 3DS the last few years is because the developers first and foremost were like, I got to put this on a Nintendo platform so Nintendo mm-hmm. fans can appreciate it. I don't think it was Nintendo going, you got to put this on our platform. I think this is old school Nintendo heads grew up to make games and they're like, you know, I owe it to these guys to put this here. Yeah. I think some of that is true, but I do I do know that they jump-started the engine of actually reaching out, right? Like, if you go to game the Game Developers Conference, you'll see Nintendo meeting with uh, with indies and, yeah. you know, actively mingling, actively seeking out content. Mm-hmm. Even the Unity, did, the Unity deal also Unity was part of that. Well. That was a big move for them. We did an open house at IGN. You know, every GDC, we open up our doors and we let indies come in and demo their games and we let, uh, you know, members from the press come in and check them out here just to kind of host it somewhere um and uh nintendo was there too you know nintendo showcased games but also talked to a lot of the uh, indies so i think that's changed i Mm -hmm. think it's just you know when you're talking to an indie and some of them you know they're not rolling in dough right they want to know that the work they put in actually pays out and and gives them you know pays for their living and so what do you go for the the machine with the lowest install or the others and so if if it's easy to port, like with Unity, um, then I think Nintendo is, is definitely there. And they, they yeah. make it more of an effort. And let's, there have been a bunch of good games, too, right? Help me out um, here, because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, lost. Uh, you know, what was the uh, the bird game? I'm totally drawing a blank. Um, uh, which bird on. game? Angry oh, Birds. No. no. The, um, Are you talking about the one we imported from Japan no. with the pigeon? Oh, no. But that, oh. <laughs> that would be <laughs> terrible. That was a great game. What are you talking about? No, Little Yellow Bird. You couldn't jump. And oh, you're, you're talking about Tokitori. Yeah, Tokitori yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting old. No, I mean, Tokitori. You what's wrong. your name again? Yeah. <laughs> All right, wait. Um, so what's your point so, with Tokitori? But, but that, that was, was a good, good one. Yeah, we're, Twine Trying 2 was pretty good. Yeah, and we saw, you know, we you mentioned Renegade Kid. We've seen, you know, at least two better games from them on the platform. So I, I don't maybe think my expectations are skewed, but I, I almost feel like I, I want to see more, or I'm not seeing enough. Yeah, there's been a lot of cool stuff. Like a thousand and one spikes is great. Shovel Knight was great. Spikes, I had fun with Ducktales, even though some people were upset at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's like I, I go I open my Wii U. It's mostly I look through all those pages and pages because we don't have full. I'm going to start yeah. showing you guys the weekly press release because uh, you guys get it oh, too no, in your I email you. where you it. look through that list and you go, I have not heard of like eight of these games. But that's okay. But that's right? okay. Yeah, indie games. Okay. Like, you yeah. Don't, yeah, like some, there, there are always nice surprises that you've never heard of. I'd say on the flip side, I, it's not like I turn on my Xbox One and I'm like, oh my God, look at this yeah. wealth of indie games. Yeah. And right? same thing with iOS yeah. too, if Gua- anything. Guacamelee, yeah. you know, hit, hit, I played on Vita where before it, I saw a year ago. Xbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, I mean, every, every Thursday morning, that's the first email I check. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everybody else sending me emails, but the first email I check <laughs> is I see that Nintendo Weekly Download thing. Yeah. And I click yeah. on it and I'm like, what's in here? Because this is, you know, it's kind of a mini Christmas. But sometimes Christmas just brings you soccer for NES and nothing else. Yeah, and, and we want Christmas. We want another world of goo, right? Yeah. We want a game yeah. where you power it up and you're like, why is this so good? Yeah. Right? yeah. What are those guys doing these days? I swear I haven't heard well, from 2D the, Boy in forever. Well, I mean, they, they're they a did small a game. Team. They did Little Inferno at they the Wii U's Little launch, Inferno. which is a fun okay. toy. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun which toy. My kids still sing that song. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Little Inferno. It's really irritating. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so last bit of news today, and then we're going to take a quick break. Uh, there's a Nintendo Direct on Monday focused on Hyrule Warriors. <clears throat> so this can. Excuse me. This is happening Monday, August 4th, 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. GMT. 
And there's even four. What's A A E S T again? I don't know that one. What? Is that Asian Central Time or something? Oh. Anyway, all right. So. That's Look out for that. No, it's not. <laughs> the Hyrule Warriors comes out, at least in North America, on September 26th. Quick note, I think it comes out in Japan on the 16th. So this is probably just a move by Nintendo to get ahead of some of the information that is no doubt going to be coming out within the next yeah. two weeks about that game. So uh, we've also seen a lot of character reveals lately. We saw Sheik, Zora, Darunia recently not announced as playable Too characters. No, no, honestly, I feel like out of all games, like for some odd reason, like I'm totally fine with seeing more and more Smash Brothers stuff. With Hyrule Warriors, I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't known all that. I know. Like, I feel like I totally understand what the gameplay is, and it is not very deep. You yeah. know, like I, I'm saying that. Could someone please play back when this guy played it for a couple <laughs> minutes? And so, like, I'm I'm hoping there's a little bit more mystery. Like, some characters I'll discover from classic Zelda games, I'll be like, yeah. yeah. This is awesome. Well, there is some mystery too because there's a moat. So at Comic Con, they had a trailer uh, features features trailer where they had some character reveals, but they had a mode in there that is sort of modeled after the 8-bit sprites of the original Legend of Zelda, yeah. but there is some completely different game happening there. It looks really cool, or not completely different, but that. it looks really? rad. Yeah, I'll show it to you later. I can't wait to find out what that is, because right. that could be the other see, thing no, that I, is I'm, rad. But you, the problem is you're going to hear about it before you play it, and then the excitement's kind of gone. I'm with you, Pear. I'm, I miss the era of Secrets. mystery yeah. like and mystique and just like... When you could, you, like, you would play a game and you would lo- you would unlock something. You didn't know it was there yeah. until you were like, "Holy crap!" And you'd call a friend and be like, "Look what I just unlocked!" Like, we in Smash Brothers in in Hyrule Warriors, like we have we see every single character, every boss, lot. every yeah. like. There is too much media for these games out there now, and yeah. like to me, a lot of the great power of Nintendo games is discovery, and that's kind of lost it's and it's not just nintendo this is sort of a dead art everywhere now right mm-hmm. like the unlockable characters so all you're the, saying video games are like hollywood where you go see a trailer for a movie and it gives away most of the movie it's it's not only like that but it's also like before you go see dark knight here's 600 set photos here's interviews with every single person there here's leaked pictures of the suits and the blah 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 blah. See, like, and there's an audience that really loves that stuff but i guess you can opt out yeah right? i like, opt I mean, out all the time i work at ign i absolutely I cannot opt out i think we're in a u- unique position but also, you know, there is, I opt out all the there, time. What are you talking about? There's definitely a portion of the audience. It's a large portion of the audience that wants as much information about the game because they they see, you know, one thing is it, it's one thing to see a character or see an environment or a level, and it's something completely different to play it. Right? Do you, like do you, Destiny is a great example. We did a lo- a month long exclusive on Destiny where we blew out all these different features, but. It's so different when you actually play the game and you yeah. level up the character. I just feel like Hyrule Warriors, my worry is that it is a one-trick pony and that the thing that makes it interesting is the discovery of all I'm the so happy Zelda right now stuff. because when Hyrule Warriors got announced, you were the guy defending it up and I'm down. I'm defending it. No, you're not. No, no, <laughs> Some I, of you I are still, not. I, Some of you is no, not. No, you guys were like, oh, they should never do this no, to the it, Zelda okay, franchise. Okay, so I feel bad because we, rap, rap. yeah, we we piled on it like it was worse than smallpox yeah. or some. It was it was yeah. guilty of some like egregious sin, and it I, isn't. And it, it seems to be having a lot of fun with what it is. And I can't wait to play it on on August sixteenth, which I'm going to. So that's my, that. My my point's always been. It is not Zelda. It is not replacing any Zelda game. That's it's right. Made by a completely different developer. Therefore, I welcome, welcome, welcome. that it exists. I think, it's, no, I think, I think it's great. Um, I think it's great that it exists. It exists because it gives you like a combat experience in the Zelda universe. Yeah. Like it still looks a little bit like an imposter. Like where you're like. 
wait, that's, you know, it, it doesn't quite look like Princess Zelda. It doesn't yep. quite look like Midnight, like the wolf. Sheik's scary. a little weird, but a, they got Darunia you know, and they got Zora, really, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a Zelda, it's a Zelda-like mixtape yeah. that somebody hands you, right? Totally. It has a bunch of, like, cool covers of tracks of things that you love. And, you know, it's a cool, like, sort of... He, I've described it as like it's the appetizer to the main course, yeah. which is Zelda Wii U coming down the it's line. Not, I, but, that's, it's, that's not it to me at all, but go ahead. But, but I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I've treated it as a completely separate thing. I don't associate it so with it's, anything it's, outside it's of character like a design. Di- a dinner at a different restaurant? Yes. It is a completely a place that, you had, that you've heard their food's okay but not so great, but uh-huh. you're willing to sit there and try it. And in some cases, you'll get something really good. Yeah. In some cases, you might not. That's not it's a slam like on the game. I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm still excited to play this because with each character reveal, I'm more interested. And yeah, I'm me like, too. Okay. Really? And yeah, and that that uh, that uh, that mini game I just described to you, whatever that is, if that's rad, you got me. But wait a minute. So who, we'll but, see. But who is saying? All right, you guys have shown me dozens of hours of this. I'm still not sold. I need a Nintendo Direct. That doesn't make any sense. We've seen enough. But I told you, like, this is only because... My my instinct tells me this is because the game is coming out very soon in Japan. There are a bunch of live streams already planned over there where they're going to be showing it off. They want to get ahead of what's going to come out of that and just say what it is. That, to me, is why this is happening. Otherwise, why would you... (laughs) I don't want to say waste time with a Hyrule Mm -hmm. Warriors Nintendo Direct. I I feel like they just need a Nintendo Direct in general these days. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the only reason it's happening. You don't want to be silent. The, um, and they've been when silent. A new game is coming yeah. out, right? You don't, like, but no. You, but my problem with Hyrule Warriors is that I got to this point where I'm like, wait, Midnight's in it? That's awesome. Now I, I, I actually want to play it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, it was definitely not on my pre-order list, even though I'm a huge Zelda fan. I was kind of like, yeah, I'll get it when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Then they show more characters. I'm like, that's awesome. And then I get to this point where I'm like, stop showing characters. Yeah, <laughs> like, I want to discover some of these. Yeah, yeah I think me that's too. Fair. Maybe there's still a lot more, which makes it all worth it. I'm hoping that's the case. Because the gameplay is not going to surprise you. No. It will not. I really hope, by the way, that, uh, and this is selfish, but I hope that when Zelda Wii U comes around, they don't do this level of expose. Because I don't want to see every temple boss. I don't want to see every item. I don't want to see every bad guy. I don't want to see every area and every song you can play, whatever instrument you're playing in that game, which they'll tell us going by this. I think with Skyward Sword, they did a good job of not showing too much, and that was the last major Zelda. I even feel, what about A Link Between Worlds? That was that counts as a Zelda, as a major Zelda. Yeah. Do you feel like they showed too, too many much? weapons I don't, well, shown. I mean, that game already kind of spoiled some of its items. So you feel them. a link between worlds. I mean, the world was spoiled already because it was based on a pre-existing yeah. Zelda game. But I, I, yeah. we knew about every single item. So in what that about game. Skyward Sword? Yeah. Then go back a little further. I don't remember what was revealed beforehand, but I do remember that you know. Uh, seeing some of the, if I had seen some of the bosses for the first time in the game, it would have been a, l- a little bit more impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, well, it's Zelda. I, it doesn't need a huge so machine of, of showing what it is to no, everyone. Everyone old, knows what it is. I'm an old fart too. Like when we covered Wind Waker, you know, or before that, Majora's Mask. You're like, oh, Majora's Mask. Is it gonna have Ganon? Like yeah. we didn't know. We kept on yeah. saying like, who's the bad guy? Nobody knew who the bad guy was. They didn't well, show they, who they, the they, bad guy was no. with Skyward Sword. I mean, they showed Gearhim, but they never told you where that was going to go. Yeah. The Nintendo now would show you the end of Wind Waker where Link jumps in the air with a sword and Ganon's looking up. And they would yeah. cut right there and be like, yeah. oh, tune into our Nintendo Direct where you can see the end of this game. Like, they're, they're Maybe showing be They're not. showing too much. I'm exaggerating yeah, exactly. for yeah. comedic value. Oh, obviously. <laughs> okay, yeah. But they're showing too much. I've never seen you do this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right. So uh, now that we're done with that, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Brian Altano will explain to you why his new nickname is Hands of Stone and his experience at Comic Con. (laughs) 
Uh, Jose Otero here, joined by Per Schneider and Brian Altano. Welcome. So, Brian, yeah. Yeah. you are, a, to me, your nickname should be Hands of Stone. Thank you. Why is that? Because you played Bayonetta 2. Okay. <laughs> you, do know, <laughs> you, you do know why it is or you don't? I do. I okay, do Okay, so know explain why. to the folks why your, your nickname is Hands of Stone. So uh, I've, I've obviously been playing um, Nintendo's you know, fall lineup at a, a couple of different events. You know, I've, I played Smash Brothers, Bayonetta, uh, Hyrule Warriors. I played Smash for 3DS. And they've all sort of clicked with, clicked with me on some level. I've gotten some t- hands-on time with them. But none of them were really like, oh, this is the next wave of Nintendo games. You're going to love this. Until Comic-Con where I got to sit down and uh, I went to Nintendo had this sort of private area which is always nice to hear at Comic-Con because there's 130,000 people walking on the show floor there. It's impossible to play a game. All of them going brap brap. Yeah, they're all screaming at you and that's <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a good do thing. They, do they scream brap brap? A lot of people yeah, did. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to hear. Is that scary like, like are you well, when you don't say hello duck, to me and I just hear from the shoot. side. But yeah. then a couple right. people saw me and they're like, I yelled at you yesterday. I'm like, hi, right. thanks for doing that. Yeah. Um, so I got to play Smash Brothers for 3DS and it clicked for the first time. You know, I wasn't really able to connect. You with haven't the explained the nickname yet. I just want to play. I played Hyrule Warriors and I'm like, this is actually pretty fun. Uh, huh. Daruni was there and I was like, I got to play as him for the first time. I'm oh, like, I thought he cool. was at the event. Oh, yeah. He's eating rocks in the corner. And I played Bayonetta. And two. Bayonetta 2. And I went hands-on with it, and I got to really go through an entire new area. Uh, we had to skip all the cutscenes because, you know, can't let that stuff out because I'm sure it's... Wait, very... someone was there to skip the cutscenes oh, so yeah. you couldn't see them? Yeah, I could not watch the cutscenes wow. in that game. We could not film the cutscenes okay. in that game. Good. We had so a very huge twist. Like, she's, like, with the hair and then... Yeah. 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 I mean, there's... Because that's a new hairdo by the end. To me, they're like... And... I'm like, what What story are you hiding from me? This is insane. It is. In the best way possible, by the way. I think it's great. Okay. Um... But so I sat down and I played it, and it really started clicking with me. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I'm pulling off combos. I'm doing the the dodge move perfectly. I'm I, I'm really kicking ass. And there's some really gratifying, very non Nintendo like stuff going on in that game. Where if you pull off a combo the right way, this torture device drops from the sky. You kick a character in the butt into it, which is so like Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's very Looney Tunes. <laughs> and then you start mashing buttons, and like this grind, this meat grind comes out and just chops his character into bits blood shooting everywhere your hair is whipping around and I'm like man I'm kicking ass I beat these bosses I beat all these guys in a row and then at the end of it it says you have you you are rewarded the stone reward and I'm like awesome and the and guy, then and the guy running the demo was like that's the worst you can get. Oh, I was like, why would you call it that? That's a, it looks like I thought I got you, something cool. I thought you were gonna say like you were kicking ass and you've never played as well, and then you look to the right and there's actually a little kid there playing, <laughs> and your controller is unplugged. No, no, because controllers mean, at Comic Con have cables. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I think he earned his nickname with that. Hands yeah. of stone. Hands yeah. of stone. So the guy was like, you know, to get the best thing in the game, you have to go through an entire stage without getting hit once, oh, and yeah. you get judged on that, which I don't even know how that's possible. If you're a hardcore gamer, like that's that's something you should you no, should aspire it, it's for. It's a very common thing in Japanese action titles that it's all about the performance, and they grade you like meticulously. Yeah, like, yeah. and I feel like fighting games tap into that a little bit with like Street Fighter, uh, but Bayonetta especially. Like that was one of the things that uh, I'm forgetting uh, the director of Bayonetta's name right now and that's so disappointing Kamiya. because uh, Kamiya yeah. Kamiya that's a common theme through a lot of his games through Devil it's May Cry theme. through uh, through Beautiful Joe 
through ba- the first Bayonetta, and even though he's not directly involved in Bayonetta yeah. 2, someone else's director, it still carries over. And I love that about that game because mm-hmm. it gives you that high bar to reach for if you're willing to commit to it. And you don't have to, and you can just walk away with your hands of stone. I did. And feel Thank really you. good about yourself. I did. Yeah, and that, that's really good. What- what Go did ahead. you think visually? Did you uh, were you impressed? Pretty crazy. Right? Yeah, I think I think it's 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 great. Um, I was thrown off. The game throws you off a little bit because there's a lot of uh, perspective changes in mm. that. Like you're running up a tower, and then they do this 1960s Batman thing where you're like you're running up the side of it, but the whole level's upside down. Yeah. And then like once or twice, I got to the top of this tower and then just jumped off. And the guy was like, "No, you gotta actually." There's a portal door behind you that you didn't see. And I was like, "Oh, I jumped all the way to the bottom, and I had run, to run back up." Okay. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's very weird. It's it it's one of those games where I'm playing and I'm like, why do people live in this world? This is a nightmare. Like you see these NPCs. And <laughs> Purgatorio. Like, I know. Yeah, did you, did you, uh, yeah, it's the world between name worlds for Purgatory. Purgatorio. <laughs> there you go. It's Mario's cousin, Purgatorio. <laughs> Italian. There it's you been go. Dead for centuries. All right. Um, you said you. Uh, sorry, unless you. Do you no. So yeah, I really sorry. enjoyed it. And uh, one thing that we talked about a little bit, but there is a new like kind of casual stylus mode where you can play just with the gamepad and a stylus, mm. and. Uh, I oh, brought, that's part of all Platinum's yeah. games. There's just a very easy configuration controller. Yeah, was. so for this one, it's a lot of like swipings and circlings yep. for, for combos. And I was like, this kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword? Yeah. That was yeah. the, uh, the, the Nintendo the DS. You held it like a book and you slashed it. Yeah. It was great. It was really, really was well really done. Fun. You didn't expect so a Ninja... Plays, Wait, you, are you rolling I your remember, eyes? remember. No, yeah. I remember. Oh, okay. I totally forgot that existed. The Nintendo yeah. rep had two when I brought the, it up. He was like, how do you remember that? book style game. Right? Yeah. yeah. That was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it, and it was uh, people doubted the input method because they were like, uh-huh. "This would not work." Yeah, it worked. It worked, it worked it so freaking well. It actually worked better than a lot of the Ninja Gaiden games that came after it. Ooh, you know? that's a slam. Sorry. Okay, so you mentioned uh, just an aside. You mentioned that uh, San Diego at San Diego Comic Con, Smash Brothers on 3DS clicked for you. Is this yeah. your first time playing it? Talk a little bit about that. So it was actually my second time playing it. I okay. played it at E3. Okay, and I just it just did not connect with me at E3. And I had, so I had, I, I went and played the Wii U version at E3 and then I walked over and played the 3DS version. And it, I just couldn't pull off like a lot of the moves. Uh, the, the, it, the controls felt very like constrained. The, the Hadouken wasn't working for yeah, me. Yeah, the, I couldn't do the Hadouken or the Yoga Flames or any of the uh, Blanca's electric. And then you realized what you were playing. Yeah, and what happened? Yeah, and then I did the hundred hand slap. Yeah, and then there was like five fatalities. Actually, you can do a hundred hand slap and smash I'm sure you yeah, can. You smash <laughs> that A button. And there sort of are fatalities actually. You know, with with the smash moves. Um, but it clicked. I was like, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you smash. And I think it was because I wasn't surrounded by 100,000 people. It was just me in this kind of quiet private area. Hmm. I sat down with a couple of different kiosks. And I played as uh, Toon Link, who was – you can only play as Toon Link on the 3DS version right now. There's this weird sort of – when you go to these events, there's like five characters you can yeah, play. Yeah, um, Sheik was on the 3DS version but not the full version. Toon Link version. is in Wii U the version. Wii U Yeah, he's one. in both. Yeah, it's just two different builds. Yeah, yeah, they're just sort of picking and choosing mm-hmm. who goes where. Like I played as Rosalina on the Wii U version but not on the 3DS mm-hmm. version. You really liked her, you told me. And she – well, she's yeah. She's weird, no? She's very weird but it's, it's one of those things that I think people are going to get nasty playing as her. Oh, of course. It's just like – it's it's very it's like 
if I threw my jacket on the other side of the room and I controlled me and my jacket at the same time and I'm beating both of you guys up and my jacket's fighting Pear and I'm fighting Jose. Yeah. So you're sort of like, your eyes are in six different places, which is already happening when you're playing Smash Brothers. I but prefer if the jacket fought me. I'll just, it's like just, it's you just on your head Jose, and you're okay. like, where yeah. am I? I, I think <laughs> I can take your jacket. I think you can take my jacket. So uh, no, I don't actually take I, my jacket. I played Rosalina as well at uh, E3 and I was, yeah. I was very comfortable with it because really? I liked the, yeah, I love the spacing aspect aspect to her character where if there's something happening across the stage and I don't want to put myself in direct danger, I could just send Luma out there and do the same combos to an extent. I mean, my range is a little different on yeah. some of those, but regardless, it's just a fun alternative thing to be able to do. It, I was whooping some It looked butt cool. There. I just couldn't figure it out. Honestly, I'm in there. the heat of the battle time. at E3 where, you know, there's somebody next to you with something to prove. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I tried that character. I'm like, ah, You're not going to lose that when out. you get yeah. home. You got Three little ones with something to prove. They all want to beat you. Exactly, but at least at home I can plop in, you know, Go to your practice room. mode and, and try out the character <laughs> okay. first. Because that's, I mean, that's the cool thing about this game is, like, they handle so differently. The characters mm-hmm. really handle differently. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really excited about, actually, is digging into Smash Brothers on my own for a while and just playing with each character and figuring out their quirks. You're going to play online and play with us? Yeah, I'll play online. Lies. Really? Lies. Smash Brothers, I will. That's a okay. different story. So, it's, that's so he won't play Mario Kart online. He won't play, play Destiny online. I, I've played online on Mario Kart before. I just don't want to play with you guys. My parents get enough are, of you. My parents are coming to visit tomorrow from Germany. You want to play with them? So I'll, I'll <laughs> let you play against my dad. Would, would you do that? Yeah. I'll, I'll okay. drag him online. You okay. can play. Good. Well, okay. don't pop on as yourself and be like, oh, my dad was playing. He whooped your ass. That's, oh, I've had, by the way, my, my son was playing Destiny. Okay. And he, because it's the beta is in my name, he's playing in my name. And so, like, lots of people will, like, send him messages thinking it's me. It's awesome. Oh, really? So what does he like, do? Why do you keep shooting me, Pear? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's me, please. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, cool. So, any anything else to share about your Comic-Con experience as a um, whole? Maybe not game-specific, but just... Oh, as a whole, it was awesome to see how much of a presence Nintendo had there, mm. just outside of their booth, just culturally. Mm-hmm. Like, there was Nintendo stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. There were, like, the cosplayers I saw there. Look it up. Look up, like, there's... there's there's, there's galleries for it, but um, somebody dressed as the nastiest, grossest, most realistic <laughs> Wario I've ever seen. Really? And like he had stains on his shirt and warts and everything, and his mustache was. I got a picture with him. I'll tweet it out. That's but, awesome. Yeah, just really great cosplay. It was awesome to see. Like there's there's Mario Brothers everywhere. There was uh, like Mario backpacks and all sorts of like cool swag there. Like. Like culturally, you know, Comic Con is a celebration of everything. I would I would hesitate to even call it pop culture anymore because it doesn't feel like fringe stuff. It's like, you know, comic book movies now are the biggest things in the world, and uh, video games are the biggest things in the world. So like all this stuff coming together, like Nintendo's there, and they have a great presence at a I, show like this. So. I've, I've said this before. I feel like Nintendo just needs to go to Comic Con or yeah. PAX. And have a freaking 80s living room and just NES consoles so, hooked up. Like, so. It should just be, like, make it classic because everybody's going to freak out. So they had a tournament set at uh, Comic-Con, which they was really did. cool. Where they built the podium out of, like, a fake I classic NES card. Yeah, they great. had a really yeah. good dressing, yeah. I, so I think they're going to do something at PAX. They haven't said anything yet, but yeah. my, my gut tells me, okay, you went to Comic-Con, you've been taking Smash Brothers to, to Best Buy. The problem is, though, if you, do it at, if you do it at PAX, that's the third time that demo's been out there. Like, are you risking... Yeah. Anything by doing it a third time? I almost wonder. Well, they also would did that thing... make them not want to do it instead? Because no. PAX is their backyard. Like Nintendo of America is right there 
in Redmond, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how can you miss that opportunity? I think you get as many people as possible to play Smash yeah. for as long as possible. Well, and I they think seem even to be... if the game's out for a year, you put it there. Yeah, just... well, and they seem to be very driven by that whole, like, uh, it's almost the atmosphere of the wizard. It's almost yeah. the atmosphere of the Nintendo World Championships, like, making a comeback. Yeah. Like, it is. They're, they're doing it. At, they're taking it on the road, putting it at different shows and, I mean, and making it a that'd thing. That'd be an awesome stage show if they yeah. just invoked the wizard. To, oh, to this cool day, too. if you show pull Super Mario Brothers to, 4. To this day, if you pulled up a truck with a, a Street Fighter 2 arcade cabinet and you dropped it off in a parking lot full of people, gamers would gravitate to it and play it. And I think that's Smash Brothers is what they have there. Yeah. So bring Smash Brothers everywhere. Have people. So, I mean, the Nintendo booth at Comic Con where people were playing Smash Brothers was swarmed. And I know everything at Comic Con yeah. is swarmed, but it was awesome because you had cert- like just like this table was four people in a circle holding 3DSs all battling each other with lines of people ringing around them. It was it reminded me of the arcades back in the day where you could mm. stand behind somebody playing Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat and just watch them get their ass whooped. They'd get kicked off. Somebody else would come on like new challenger approaches like yeah. capitalize on that bring smash no, yeah. everywhere and, well, and they're putting it on twitch man i mean they're streaming it they're showing it they're yep. hosting it they're doing everything they can with it right now it's good i mean it's it's a good really sign, good for them right it's like i feel like this is a nintendo that has really opened up to the fan base it's not like they ever you know they ever not played the played the nostalgia card but like they have the biggest freaking nostalgia card out of all companies on you know active now that they can play and they should just keep on leaning into it and they're doing a good job mm-hmm. cool keep on doing it all right you heard it here all right so we're going to take one more quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about the game boys 25th anniversary and share some of your memories which you emailed so graciously to us more when we return Jose Otero here, Brian Altano Hi. to my left, Parrish Schneider to my right. So apparently today, guys, is the Game Boy's 25th anniversary in America, or at least it's the day on the calendar that most people think it was. I'm not entirely sure because when you look back at anything from the, the late 80s or early early to mid, like the, the, the record keeping was not so great. Yeah. Uh, but this is the date that folks are celebrating. Now, in the past, we have talked about Game Boy memories before. And actually, Pear, you weren't there. So I want to ask you, like, what are your memories of the Game Boy or what are some that stand out to you? Were you in America or Japan when it came out? <laughs> over and over. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Look, it's it's just the. Can you give context to that for folks who may not recognize that? <laughs> day? That that would be Tetris. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean that that was what this platform was about for me. You know, you just you were able to take your favorite games on the go, and the, my favorite game at the time was just Tetris for whatever reason. And I, I had thought I didn't think that that would be the kind of game to hook me for that long. It's mm-hmm. just like. It was the first time you had this game where you could just spend a couple of minutes, you know, and then stop and then yeah. go back, and you had to go back. Yeah. So, you know, um, as a device, I never actually owned my own 
uh, classic Game Boy. Were you just borrowing um, people's in college yeah, or something? Yeah, we all had, you know, we all had <laughs> in college. We all, uh, <laughs> Weren't you in college we around knew, that time? We knew, everybody knew someone with, with a Game Boy. Just like back in the days, like not everybody had their own Atari 2600, but your neighbor had one and yeah. you, you had a Commodore 64 and then somebody else had a Atari or a Sinclair. Yeah, I grew up in the, it was. I grew up in the Bronx, man. You don't share anything no. with anyone. Hell no. no we'd you'd, always you'd be lucky to, to see it again. We'd always go to somebody's <laughs> house, but you know. What my, size shoes are those? Yeah. My, yeah. my, my friend <laughs> had one of these and I'd steal it quite frequently. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, um, something I want to mention real quick. Yeah. We did our episode about Game Boy Memories. We did. We did. And I talked about how I got mine for Christmas and it was, uh, I got all my presents for Christmas and my Game Boy wasn't there. And then my mom said, why don't you check your stocking? And my stocking was hanging over the thing and I pulled it out and my Game Boy was there. What I'm realizing from this episode is that the Game Boy came out in July, which means 25 years ago, from July until Christmas, I was like, Mom, <laughs> I need to get a Game Boy. And she was like, you have to wait until Christmas. Yeah. That's like six months. That's crazy. That's half a year. I was like, I need a Game Boy. And I was probably the worst. I was running around the house, screaming and yelling, I need this thing. She's like, go ahead. I just imagine like little Brian Altano looks exactly the same. Everyone yeah. always says that like with the stubble and everything. Yeah. Stubble. Yeah. Tiny body, mm-hmm. giant head. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a Game Boy. Hey, so that was that meant six, for six months I was insufferable and so I wanted I, this. Yeah. I was well, thinking about changed. this. No, not yeah. at all. I've been not th- I was all. thinking about that very thing today though because I also got it for Christmas that yeah. that year, and what bugs me out is I don't remember asking for it, but I. I must have, right? I mean, I watched cartoons. They were marketing. I remember the hands and the Oh, the and packaging the fancy. was amazing. Yeah, I remember it. everything about it. I must have been asking for it, but I just can't remember yeah. it off the top of my head. Hmm. But uh, what, what's interesting to me, though, in looking back on sort of the Game Boy's 25th and the Game Boy as a whole is just – and we have it on the table, actually. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't actually see this, but you should check out the video. Uh, is we have a bunch of Game Boys, and we have DSs, and we have Game Boy Advances here. And uh, Nintendo's portable legacy is sort of sort of wonderful, but also really interesting when you think about it. Because I feel like right from the get-go with the Game Boy, yeah. they figured out the barest essentials, Tetris being the quintessential portable game. Yep. Yeah. Portable the gaming quintessential ex- pack-in game, yeah. too. Yeah, the quintessential pack-in game as well. But more importantly, like it's perfect based on what you just said, right? The yep. short bursts of play, but also you want to spend a lot of time in it. You go for the high score. There was also the, con- the battle idea, right? Connecting. I remember the first time I connected with my sister was on the uh, game, the original Game Boy, and this port used to have a little little cover over it, remember? Yeah, yeah. Everyone lost that thing, by the oh, way, because the they stopped day. putting it in. The first yeah, day. But, uh, and we played Tetris competitively against each other, and that was the first time we had played something where we were on two different devices. I know. And I was like, holy cow, this is the future. This is so cool. And, and, and in that way, the Game Boy and Tetris were the true successor to the arcade, right? Where you could just spend a couple of minutes to play or you could hang out for a really long yeah. time yeah. and play with your friends. And this is exactly... The, the device that did that, you know, it was the arcade anywhere. Anywhere yeah. you go, you could play a game for a couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, to me it was, uh, you know, so this came out, I think I was in like third or fourth. I had to be like third grade or something like that. So by then, my grades had already plummeted because no. of video games, according to my parents. Mm. And all it the was adults true. in the world don't, were don't, like, It was true. Sure, don't, sure. don't play that card. Who's laughing now, Mom and Dad? <laughs> IGN.com. Keep you, it locked. Yeah, your son just interviewed a rubber dog. Exactly. You insulted him. Triumph. Uh, the comic it, insult it, dog. It, See it, it on IGN. It took my parents 15 minutes to find that video really? on Hulu the other day, by That's the way. Great. Go okay. watch that. Um, so to me, like, uh, video games were something adults hated. And then the Game Boy came out. And I looked around, and you'd be like, 
there's a dad on this bus and he's playing Tetris. What's going on? And Dude. All of a sudden, old people were buying Game Boys and they were playing video games. Business guys with br- briefcases and everything like were got really into video games. And there was something about this fat, innocuous little brick mm-hmm. that just was magical, you oh, know? I mean, it's sturdy, like on their end, cheap to make, yep. but something that, you know, sort of... I mean, the screen's terrible, let's be fair, right? Yeah. The screen was not the best thing ever, the little contrast dial. Like, they got it right and it made it out the door, but it wasn't until Pocket that you could really start to see some of those graphics, which we have it on the table, too. It was terrible, but if you think about the handheld games that came before it, it was I mean, look, a miracle. Look at the shape of the D-pad and how it changes yeah. from, from model to model. Like, I want to see if on the pocket, yeah, it got smaller by the pocket. They started to, like, really sort of dial down. But they essentially understood what was the most important aspects of it and the importance of keeping it cheap. How many competitors to the Game Boy came and went with promises of better technology? Oh, the yeah. backlit screen needed, like, 16 and batteries. they all talked so much smack. Every time. Every day. <laughs> oh, you get that puke green not, Game Boy. And it's not like, to yeah, so yeah, not to turn this into a Nintendo propaganda podcast, yeah. but man, Atari Lynx, Game Gear, Nomad. Uh, all those single game, arca- <clears throat> like mini arcade machines yeah, that came yeah, out. Remember yeah, all of those? those. Well, that's, like, that's actually what was Puck so Man, fascinating Pick about the, uh, the Game Boy was uh, that it had car- it had a cartridge slot. Yep. Right? And before that, handhelds were sort of just like, here's a handheld. What is it? A game. What game? Ball. Can I change it? <laughs> can, can I change it to something else? Nope. You no. gotta buy a new game. You gotta if buy you, a whole new handheld. If you twist this dial, the yeah. ball will get bigger. Yeah, or you can go to ball two. There if are you, nine you know, billion well, combinations well, of balls. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks. Uh, so, but that was the, that was sort of the ingenuity, and especially the genius of Gunpei Yokoi, who was the guy behind a lot of the technology and yeah. the, and the sort of approach. I love that the approach has endured all of these years, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not to say that portable gaming didn't exist before Nintendo, but it was the fact that Nintendo figured out what were the essential elements and it continues to this day. All of these devices on the table, when you look around at all of them, they all have that sort of you know, sort of simple but sturdy, able to resist some kind of damage, especially by the time you got to SP, like you're breaking the screen problem was over mm-hmm. yeah. pretty much, right? Because on these other models, when the screen was the only thing exposed, that was a problem. Battery life, right out of the gate, battery life was important and they got it right. And it yeah. was always two double A's and that's it. On the original Game Boy, was it still two? I think it was four, four and then it went to two. I remember. Yeah. Yep, there it is. Because that was when my dad was like, "You're gonna, you're mowing the lawn and you're buying rechargeable batteries." Because I <laughs> would come to him every six hours and be like, hey, "Yo, dad, you got any more double A's?" And he's like, "You ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't take them out of the remote and just not tell them." Oh, People of course do that. I did that. Oh. I took them out of everything. <laughs> oh, you could try to turn off the TV. In my, there was a, back in back in the eighties. Uh, and, and early 90s, every single thing in your house had AA batteries in them until I got a hold of them. And I took mm-hmm. batteries out of everything just to beat Mario. Yeah. Over and over and over. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. But that was the beauty of that system, right, was to be able to play games that were like – they weren't console perfect, but they were pretty close. And when they weren't, they were sort of like close approximations. Like Super Mario Land, very different than the other Mario games. But you could play Mario on the school bus on the way to work. Yeah. You could sneak underneath a textbook at school. And, and play a video game. You can play at lunch. Like yeah. yeah. I mean, the Game Boy history is so interesting because it is always about the hardware and the software working hand in hand. And Tetris yeah. made this machine and made it created a craze of on-the-go gaming. But it's like later when you consider Pokemon, they did it again. Yeah. Yeah. did yeah. it again, right? Yeah. They created a game that was all about being portable and sharing and trading with others. Connectivity, right? mm-hmm. yeah. And so 
that's we don't have kind of like a paradigm shift like that now. No. There isn't anything in the 3DS realm. I would say they tried, right? Like the AR games, the first time you see the 3D without glasses was really impressive, and it's easy to forget that. But once you're over that hump, it doesn't endure. Mm-hmm. And so that's I still feel like the 3DS is looking for this big kind of this yeah. big shift that yeah. that didn't exist. Well, well if you Pokemon, look at it, oh, sorry, I just want to throw out there, Pokemon was probably the most important game yeah. from the Game Boy era because yeah. we're talking about 1998, the system had seen its lifespan already for a significant amount of time. And then you go and you drop Pokemon in the States in 98, in Japan in 96, I want to say. And it just, it wasn't just a video game. It was a TV show. It was a cereal box. It was a backpack. It It was was, a culture. It was, yeah, it just was a phenomenon, which the likes of which I don't think we've ever really seen. Uh, at least to video games to me, maybe Angry Birds is the closest thing I yeah. can think yeah. of yeah. to the Pokemon phenomenon yep. that it, what it was. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but you were going to say. No, I was going to say, I mean, it was weird what sort of, um, what what was the sort of flagship title for their some of their later handhelds. Uh, it got away from being Pokemon for a while and it became things like brain training, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It, it took a very different step. They've also like, there's been patterns in successes and misses with with the Game Boy and DS uh, handheld line because the original Game Boy, like, you couldn't see that screen in the sun. Most places it was dark. And a few years later, they put out the Game Boy Advance. Same thing. Like, you had to hook all these wacky peripherals mm-hmm. on these things. Like, this is – it's very weird now to think Oh, God, that, I remember the light. Remember yeah. that Franken thing that for had the, the original Game Boy? Yes. Yeah, it, it just it made it to unrealistic proportions. Does anyone have one of those? No, it looked like a prop from Ghostbusters. It was completely <laughs> it was it had a six different overlays. Don't look of a, into it. Um, yeah, a magnifying lens. The and magnifying lens was the, the best part. It was huge. It yeah. looked like some old ladies like glasses, almost yep. like thick. Yep. in terms of uh, yeah. wow, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and I mean, the, so to me, the the reason the Game Boy. Is is what it is to me was I started playing simple games like Tetris, which you know that's an insult to call that game simple because it's mm-hmm. it's definingly simple. It's it's incredible. It's just a perfect idea executed perpetually well, top to bottom. Um, and then games like Mario were a little more robust. But when Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening came out, and that was the first time you could play like a full console quality Zelda game on a handheld. That's when it was like, we're moving into a new direction. Yeah, and it wasn't afraid to be weird and it wasn't afraid to be different. Yeah. And that was a, that's the thing I think endures most about that specific game because I always feel like the Game Boy ports of every single thing Nintendo made was always a little well. Super Mario Land, I remember playing as a kid and going, why am I playing this shmup level? Why am I in a submarine right now? Why do now? the turtles explode? <laughs> why the heck am I in Egypt? Yeah, why do they blow up? Nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knew. And you Mario go after the princess well, in, in that the, game. In the yes, manual, yes, he didn't know. have fire flower was a rubber ball he would throw at things you yeah, remember that just bounced everywhere. i remember being a kid going okay I, I guess why am i in egypt yeah <laughs> what's going on here all over the place yeah um but but with zelda i feel like uh they and even in mario land's case they were positive changes yeah. they were just spins in a different direction that ultimately like you you couldn't help but appreciate and you learned to love even though they were working within some serious limitations i mean you're talking about when when pokemon came out it was on an 8-bit system in the states in 1998, yeah, 8-bit handheld. Like, do, does anyone else in the room feel like strange by all of a sudden realizing that? Like, that's no I feel joke. strange when you tell me that thing is 25 years old because yeah, I'm like, too. Wow. well, people made the joke. It's Game Man now, not Game yeah. Boy. Yeah, that's right. but yeah, it's all going all right. right. 
You yeah, share some, some yeah. Memories? So let's share some memories. So uh, I put out a tweet asking uh, you, loyal listeners, to send us favorite Game Boy memories, and you oblige. You send us a bunch, a lot of Pokemon stories. So we didn't read them all. Um, we're going to read a couple. Uh, so really quickly, here's one from Lunar. He says, "My favorite memory is the first RPG I remember playing as a young seven-year-old. Pokemon Red is what started my love for RPGs, which remain my favorite genre. But specifically, the memory of spending the first ten minutes of the game figuring out how to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> I was young." and only playing things like Mega Man X and Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. So it took a while to learn that you exit where the carpet was. A lot right. of gamers And then you exit and they're like, hey, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before you go out. Well, I was, one guy, uh, there's a story in here somewhere, he didn't know how to save. Oh. <laughs> so he kept starting the game over and losing to the first trader and Some just start over again. Some people don't know how to heal that Pokemon. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Some uh, some adult males. Yeah. So right. yeah, that, that would be me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Flinders says my first Game Boy was the Game Boy Pocket. I never got into Game Boy previously because I didn't get how anyone would want that when they could have the full colored backlit. Game Gear. And it's six AA batteries. The first game I bought was Star Wars. I was a Star Wars freak, and little did I know that this game was, in fact, god-awful. I later got Kirby's Pinball Land, and the system was redeemed. Nice. Weird. That's a weird sort of trip down the Game Boy was... Star Wars and Kirby's Pinball Land. And six batteries. Yeah. Have mercy. I, yep. I, I actually, I mean, I dig the Game Gear. I think it's a cool for its system. It just could have never worked, right? Like, battery life-wise. Mm-hmm. It was just... It was it, it was a good I, idea. I love yeah. the idea, yeah. but that that software lineup has held up dreadfully. No, no, like, it is almost impossible to go back and play a lot of those games. Yeah. I think the Nomad was the smarter idea, but it was yep. again still too much, too many batteries. This could not yeah. be done. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Dylan Bishop from Ohio says the Game Boy is what introduced me to games. It is single-handedly the spark for the burning passion I have for video games today. That being said, those early days were rough. I begged my parents for one when I was around six years old and was surprised with a Game Boy as well as a copy of Pokemon Red. It was simply amazing. I had no clue that there was a save feature, though, nor did I realize you could heal at the Pokemon Center. Oh, there you go, man. <laughs> so most of my time was spent continually facing off against Brock with only a Charmander and a Butterfree, losing and then restarting at Red's house. This kept going until my batteries ran dead, but I still loved it anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the story moments, I saw. Like, I remember like playing Link to the Past, and I was stuck in a room, and all you and had to do was... the red light's blinking. No, I had to light the torch. That yeah. was all I had to do, and like sometimes you just have this Different moment. Probably. Yeah, you yeah. just can't. Yeah, the red light blinking. There you go. Well, Those the are the worst. Boy, here's the problem: when the Game Boy was powered on, it always had a red light. Always. Yeah. And now, when you see a red light on your thing, you're like, "This you're is like, gonna oh. die." Well, and on 3DS, it is. It's a panic attack, by the way, because it's like it's blinking oh really fast. You're like, "Oh my god, I need a plug." Yeah, I get, I get frantic. I need with it that. right now. Okay, so I'll read one more uh, from Brant Range. I hope I said that right. As a child, she comes to up at noon every week. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, good man. Hi, Brant. Um, Wore a brap shirt to the studio today. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Up. Um, <laughs> as a, as the best I can do. As a child in the 90s, I remember getting Pokemon for Christmas in 1998. I played the game for hours virtually everywhere I went, even bringing my original yellow brick Game Boy to school, where it was promptly taken away multiple times. The ability to take a massive world with me wherever I was, uh, wherever I went, excuse me, was and still is very impressive. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what got me with Zelda, right? You just have this huge open world everywhere you want to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Being a kid and being able to do that was phenomenal. It was. Do you want to read some more? Yeah, yeah, please read some more. Yeah, no, let's go through it. From Robert Ty. 
Hey all, first off, I want to say I love the show. Thank you very much. My favorite Game Boy memories actually involve receiving some systems secondhand. My first Game Boy, the original, was a hand-me-down from my cousins, and I played Pokemon and Tetris nonstop on it. Like, seriously nonstop. Recently, I've tracked down a clear Game Boy Pocket and a Game Boy Micro, and I'm loving them both so much. I really like them because they're, they're slightly rarer systems that you don't see every day. You are all the best. Thank you. I love the clear design, by the way. Yeah. I always thought it was cool to see how all these, these sort oh, of that, wires that and, was and pieces like, that, fit That in. blew my mind when they yeah. first did that. I love the clear area. And I remember the Game Boy Pocket one he's actually referencing. And I, yeah. I think the original, like this Game Boy, the original model had a clear package I, I want to I want to point something out real quick. Yeah, sure. I have purchased every single one of these iterations at some point. Not these exact really? colors and stuff like that, but I went from the Game Boy to the Game Boy Pocket to the Game Boy Color mm. to the I remember when Japan got the Game Boy Light and I was jealous. To the GBA, to the GBA SP, mm. to the Game Boy Player, which was another way to play games. Yeah. Um Super Game Boy, all those things to every all through the DS line, all through the 3DS line. Yeah. I am a sucker for these things. Every time there's a new one out, you got the I'm micro? There. Really? Yeah, I got I got the Famicom Micro. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You told me about it. Um, which is cool because that was the first one they've done that had swappable faceplates. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a kind of a cool I, idea. So I broke uh, – Fra- I'm going to tell Pear the story because yeah. I told you the story. So, you know, Francisco in yeah. engineering, I broke his heart yesterday or two How days ago. Do that? Because he has a Game Boy Micro and I forgot the topic came up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that one's really rad. But then it hit in my head. Uh, I'd seen a lot of fakes of it. And the way you can tell is if you flip it over on the back, the Famicom, the anniversary Famicom one, has a Mario sprite on the back and a, some kind of graphic or something. Yeah. And I was like, so there are fakes of those. You do realize that. He was like, fakes? And I was like, yeah. I was like, does the back of yours look like this one? And I showed him online. He was like, <gasps> Oh, no. uh, I was like, I'm so sorry, Francisco. Uh, this was one so of if you're the, listening, uh, I'm still really sorry the, about that. I have the the, the Game Boy Advance line is one of the first times I started to really see rampant piracy around all this stuff on eBay. Oh, it got crazy. So Bubble Bobble is one of my favorite games of all time. Really love that game. And I saw it was available for, for the GBA, and I had never purchased it. So I went on eBay to buy it, mm-hmm. and I got it, and it shipped it to me. And the box that came in was just like, looked like somebody made it at home. And the cart had a sticker on it that said... Buble Bobble, like <laughs> Michael Buble. And I'm like, all right, you missed a B. What's going on here? Maybe this is some weird card I got. And I plugged it in, and uh, t- 10 minutes after playing. Sparks came out. Yeah, Sparks came out. I got to the 10th level, and it was like, the end. And I'm like, nope. Oh, man. Yeah, so I got ripped off. But I'm all right. All right. Um, Go with that. Peter Lopez says, favorite GB memories taking my huge Game Boy with an extra set of AA batteries, which I stole from my dad's TV remotes. Mm hmm. Nice work, Peter. Nice to school and trading Pokemon with friends at recess. P.S. My mom had my back and never told my father who the battery thief was. I would have figured it out. Yeah, I mean, who's he going to narrow it down to? Maybe he had his siblings. He left that out, but I would have figured it out. He's always playing on that Game Boy. Yep. All right. um, I'm going to read one more from Logan Plant, and then if you guys have any left, we can maybe do one more round of these. Uh, So from Logan, hey, guys, I can remember mowing lawns for an entire summer, saving up to buy the shiny new Game Boy. I admired every time my parents took me to the mall. I got paid a measly $2 per lawn I mowed. Sorry, man. That's rough. That's awful. That's like slave. That's child labor. How much laws, for Game Boy games? Like thirty bucks, right? I don't remember. I want to say that. That's fifteen lawns. That's like half a summer. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. So this goes back. So I had to mow down nearly 50 lawns oh. <laughs> to uh, finally afford it. But my parents made a deal that they would buy me two games if I bought the system. The day they were supposed to take me to the store, my dad came home from work and handed me a Sega Game Gear with Sonic Triple Trouble. Oh. He said he wanted to surprise me when he got home instead of going to the <laughs> store. Luckily, my friend who wanted a Game Gear for his birthday got a Game Boy, so we ended up trading. Nice. In the deal, I got my uh, my favorite game of all time, Link's Awakening. Recently purchased yes. Sonic Triple Trouble and realized I didn't miss out on much because it's on yeah, virtual console. Yeah. Uh, Your friend got really, screwed. Your friend's probably in jail so now. So wait, did, did you guys grow up in households where you can trade like a gift? <laughs> because I didn't. Like if I got something, I, I would have like, gotten in trouble if I did that. Too. Well, yeah. So would what, you flip if your kids did it before? Uh, well, why don't you answer first? Well, we, did you me have and my a, friends had an intricate loaning system when it came to games. Intricate, you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here's where it all screwed up. And people don't do this shit anymore. <laughs> people used to write, but you used to lend somebody a game and they'd write Jose on it. And you'd be like, you wrote Jose on my game in Sharpie. Recognize, and, and yo. Mom, you'd go you to his doing? house and mom would be like, no, nah, it's his game. He wrote his name on it. I'm like, what kind of law system is going on here? It doesn't make any possession, sense. Possession was nine-tenths of the law. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that was yeah. nonsense. But I think if I – my, my parents, like, they they had an idea what was going on. If I had straight up traded a Game Gear for a Game Boy, my dad would have been like, where the hell did you get that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's not what so they talking. would have flipped about it. Yeah, they would have flipped. Okay. I've, I've, you know, like when you what have about kids, they, you get to this point where weird items will show up in your house that you know you didn't buy. And you're yeah. like, uh, where did that come from? Right? Yep. And then – Okay, let's take it back to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, so you don't oh, let them yeah. trade their gifts yeah, well, either. I'll never forget. No, one. but my son has done this too, where yeah. he's like, some friend is over there playing something, and the guy's like, wow, this is awesome. He's like, you can have it. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I object. Mm, that, not the NES. <laughs> I remember uh, my, my parents brought, bought me and my brother the same Lego set from this, uh, from this store, and mine miraculously came with a full-size Snickers bar. <laughs> what? Oh, nice. <laughs> and we got the car and meeting the Snickers. My mom was like... Where the hell did you get that? I'm like, oh, it came with the Lego set. And she's like, no, it didn't. That shop <laughs> Oh, nice. I like, I and like then the she took the Legos away. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. I got one more. Okay. Matt Agosta from New Jersey. Shout out to New Jersey. Friend of yours. Uh, Props. Loves the friends. podcast. Uh, to the real reason here. I'm uh, The real reason, Game Boy. I think I was either seven or eight when the Pokemon craze hit with the red and blue version. I remember spending countless hours training, catching, and battling other Pokemon with my friends and cousins. I got all eight badges, beat the Elite Four, and even caught all 151 Pokemon, including Mew. It was the first game I was ever completely obsessed with and the first game I ever completely 100% 100 beat. To put it into perspective, once I was dropped off at my grandma's house and sat in a chair playing Pokemon. When my parents came back four hours later, I was still in the exact same spot with my Game Boy. (laughs) You get the point. Keep up the good work. So that is the classic roommate nightmare scenario now where you left in the morning and they were playing something and then you came back and they're still there. Just want to put that out there for folks. Maybe for kids it was okay, but not today by roommate standards. All right. Jacobson says, I own a Game Boy with a Power Rangers game that sucked and Tetris, which I was never big on. Huh? My 10-year-old self was pretty underwhelmed with the Game Boy until the day I discovered Pokemon. My God, the batteries I went through. A friend of mine rode the same school bus every day. I had blue and he had red, and together we worked using this third-party memory card cartridge adapter that let you transfer your save data from the actual game cartridge. I caught all 150 of the original monsters. I played with fire and never got burned. Yep, fought Missingo, 
Missing no is a is a, yep. is a glitch Pokemon. And caught it, never hurt my save data. So he was like glitching the systems here. Yeah. Unfortunately, my friend never caught all his. After about a year or two, his red cartridge battery died and could no longer hold the charge. Oh. But those were wonderful, glorious times. He's talking about this like he was on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, well, <it> is. <laughs> look, some of that can yeah. never come back because the cartridge batteries. I know. Yeah. Well, there's a way to replace it. If you look yeah. up on YouTube, uh, there's a way to do everything on right, YouTube. Right, but that doesn't mean your save yeah. file's back. No, it's gone. No, but I remember that for yeah. Zelda on NES, I turned it on one day and it was just like I forgot everything you've ever done oh, and you bye. just cried your eyes out yeah okay and then uh, I bought it every year for the rest of my life so I'm going to read the last one for Michael Martinez and then we're going to close cool. it alright so uh, from Michael one of my fondest memories is being a five year old kid and seeing advertisements during Nintendo's 1995 Play It Loud campaign I vividly remember going into a series that campaign was freaking I weird that. it was so weird I, it's so weird I forgot most of it yeah. like, I need to watch ads um, look that up <clears> on YouTube it's great you should I vividly remember going into a Sears department store and seeing the amazing display cases with uh, the wall of games, which was a first for me. Christmas that year, I opened my my first present and received a radiant red Game Boy and copies of Mega Man 2 and Bugs Bunny Castle, uh, Crazy Castle 2. Was that real? I hope it is. <laughs> this was extra special because it was my very first handheld console while being arguably the first legitimate handheld console. Yeah. Looking back on that, it's it's pretty cool to see how far Nintendo's handheld has come and growing up with it makes me appreciate each advancement up the current up to the current model. Yeah. Keep up the good work, guys. So he likes the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. If you sent in an email, we definitely saw it and we're figuring out a way to use as many of them as we can. Maybe we didn't get to read it on the air, but we still appreciate it. Like I said, ton of Pokemon stories. I did yeah. not realize how many we were gonna get, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it was such a phenomenon for us. Either time. Tetris or Pokemon, it has to <clears> be. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, yeah true, I just want to say real quick, if you have a 3DS, uh, a lot of the games we've talked about are there. You can go play Link's Awakening. You can I think you can go <coughs> play the original Tetris. Uh, if you you want to see they're still in there the Mega Man games are all on there yeah, yeah. a lot of them are still puke green you know if you mm-hmm. want to see that old color scheme uh, download them there are a few bucks and a lot of them really hold up so you know check out what the best games are grab a few they're cheap and uh, relive the glory days of this wonderful little handheld's 25th anniversary yeah for sure all right. Well, thank you very much for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We are a weekly podcast on IGN, but that is not the only thing that we are on IGN. In fact, there are dozens of articles, previews, features, videos just for you. So make sure you check it out. We have a ton of Comic-Con coverage. That uh, Check out the Triumph, the insult comic dog bit with Brian. It was just absolutely <laughs> so strange. It was so, so strange. Was Energy. I saw Brian, Energy. I saw Brian speechless. <laughs> Brian's like looking at the dog and probably like Robert Smigel under the table yeah. and going like, what the hell? am I doing? I was, it broke me in yeah. the best way possible. It was funny. You're yeah. Like, you <laughs> my face hurt from laughing. It was the hardest I've ever mm-hmm. laughed. You heard work. people laugh off set, off camera, like yeah. the whole Comic Con. You never heard a peep oh, all, the, on all set. All week they were like quiet on the set, but this one they were like, just let it go. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, yeah, so make sure you check those out. Uh, also, if you're feeling generous and uh, you have feedback about the show, either email nvc at ign.com or head over to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think. Uh, we're always reading and checking your feedback. One more thing. Sure. Uh, at Comic-Con, uh, me and Marty and Steve, we got to go to a art gallery from this guy named Super Video Game Land. Look him up. He did uh, that Doom painting back there, and he does tons of classic video game paintings. Uh, he did one for Link's Awakening, which he's graciously sending me. He's 
He's a huge listener of the awesome. show. If you're looking for some cool art, listeners for your are sending wall, you a lot of stuff. You also got all the Happy Meal toys. What's up with that? I don't know, man. I'm just a, I'm a good, nice guy. I didn't get the Happy know? Meal toys. You're sons. You're kind of a crab sometimes. Mm, sometimes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just joking. I love you. Ouch. Super Video Game Land. Look up his work. He's a great guy, great listener, incredibly talented artist, and he paints uh, classic moments from old NES games, Super NES games we grew up on. So yeah, all right. give him a it's look. It's time up. for this incredible crab to close out the That's show. Right. Uh, thank you again very much for listening. You can find Brian Altano at Agent Bizzle on Twitter. You can find Per Schneider at Pear IGN. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero. Crab. To hell crab. with you. <laughs> I you got to be crabby at the end. You did. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging to mental health, to courage and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down no filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.